So last week, we may have gone a little into the weeds we, on the book business. We got very inside baseball, very industry nerd. So how about this week, we just get kind of more wide spectrum nerd. How about we talk about something people actually want to listen to <laughs> us talk about? Yes. By which we mean, of course, a food heist. I have yes. two food heists for you okay. this week because they are related together. The first one, this is in the news now. This actually happened in 2017. Okay. Well, it actually happened over the course of years and years and years. The guy was caught in 17 and then convicted in 2018 of stealing. Defrauding is a better word. So this is not a heist so much as a fraud. Okay, food fraud. A, a long con. Mm-hmm. He stole $1.2 million worth of fajitas. Over time. Yeah, since I think 13 through 17 is when he's running it. So over the course of about four years, what he was doing was he was one of the administrators of a juvenile center Uh in the Southwest somewhere. Okay. And he basically kept buying with juvenile center funds fajita meat. And then instead of giving it to the juvenile center, he would sell it, you know, after hours... Oh, on, off the books to local restaurants and stuff. That's like and then just pocket all the money. Classic bad guy from a bad teen right? movie. Like an 80s yeah. movie, your mm-hmm. bad guys were either land developers or people stealing money from community centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what this guy was doing. He was caught. He was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Wow. That's apparently what you get for stealing $1.2 million worth of fajitas. Yeah. He's up for parole next year. Okay. And so that's the article that I found. The related heist is related only in that it is also $1.2 million worth of cheese. That goes on fajitas. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and it gets even better than that. This was two women who, again, were doing a long, years-long con using food stamps to basically buy just insane, ridiculous amounts of food. So here's the list. They got 22.3 tons of pinto beans. Okay. 1.6 tons of coffee, 1.4 tons of instant mashed potatoes, Mm. over 5,000 gallons of mayonnaise, and 49.1 tons of American cheese slices. Oh, okay. So cheese in the the most liberal interpretation of the word. cheese-like cheese they could find. But still, $1.2 million worth of cheese stolen that I have to, like you... Connect those mentally. You got a million dollars worth of fajitas. What are you going to do? You get a million dollars worth of cheese and beans and, I guess, mayonnaise. I don't know why you want that on your fajitas. I mean, but you do you, thieves. You use mayonnaise to make some ranch sauce, don't you? Or some various yeah, mix in tomatillo ranch. Do some things with yeah. it. Yeah. Mm, I so. don't know. Do you eat American cheese? I don't eat a lot of cheese because I'm lactose mm. intolerant. You know, I did order a gigantic chili relleno burrito for dinner yes. tonight yes. because uh, some things are worth it. But yeah. Yeah. What's your opinion on American cheese? On American then? cheese? Yeah. I think American cheese slices, like mm-hmm. the prepackaged ones, they yeah. get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who think they're not cheese. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they are cheese and most of them are just made of cultured milk. It's not mm-hmm. chemicals. It's not Play-Doh. But it is turned into cheese through a different chemical process, which is why it has such a weird texture to it and is so different from what we think of Mm. as real cheese. So I think it gets a bad rap, but at the same time, you know, I don't love it. (laughs) I like it in certain circumstances. Yeah. There are some times I want it on a burger. 
Well, it the, melts really well. The cheaper the burger, the more I want it with American cheese. The more <laughs> fancy the burger, the more I want it with like a cheddar or something like that. And yeah. the same way with like, I do like a nice grilled cheese with a fancy, fancy in quotes, right? Like a guerre mm-hmm. is not that fancy, but you know, yeah. I like a nice grilled cheese that's using a variety of cheeses. Yeah. But you know what? There's something to be said for grilled cheese with American. It tastes like childhood. It does. Mm-hmm. You know? And I do think, you know, saying some kind of very normal mm-hmm. yet non-American cheese like Gruyere, mm-hmm. you know, you can buy that in any grocery store. Yes. And it still counts as fancy for grilled cheese because mm-hmm. 98% of the grilled cheese consumed is just plain old American cheese slices. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you want. It's a good melty cheese. It gives a good texture when you mm-hmm. grill it like that. Anyway. So speaking of American. American. Superheroes. Superheroes. We're only a couple months late because we couldn't talk about <laughs> No Way Home until Brandon had until seen it. Brandon saw it. And Brandon did not want to go to someone else's movie theater. He wanted to go watch it in his movie theater. And I have not found a way to get the first run movies yet. I'm yeah. trying. But, but you um, have seen it now. I have now seen okay. Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I actually want to give an update on Arcane first. Oh, Do you okay. want to talk about that? Uh, yes. Let's get an update on Arcane. Because I've watched the next three episodes of Arcane. Okay. And I... We, we did an episode about the first three episodes yes. of Arcane. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. So... About, about 50% of it is about Arcane. <laughs> yeah. And this one we're only probably going to talk for five or ten minutes. Who knows? It's yeah. us. But mm-hmm. an update on Arcane... I see what you mean. Like the next, the first three episodes were like nine out of 10. Perfect for what they're trying to be. Only docked one point in that there is some cliched archetypes being used, but I really think that it was excellently done. Yeah. Next three, I'm of more of two minds on. Still excellent, mm-hmm. right? Still very good show. They have upped their game, I feel like, in the use of visuals and in their use of music. Yeah. In these next three episodes, and does episode yeah. six is that the one with, with the magic with, dragons? No, with with ah. uh, Echo and Jinx. So we don't know it's Echo yet, but I guessed that it was okay. So that's got to be episode seven, because okay. yeah, uh, wow, there's a masked figure who is a main antagonist, and the one person <laughs> we haven't seen yet is a little mm. boy who's likely grown up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder who that is. Who could that be? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember yeah. a specific so, fight scene that I don't think you've gotten to. Yes, yet. I hear that the best one is still coming. Okay, good. so episode six ends with them atop the like tower thing, and Jinx is like shooting her minigun all around, and the mysterious figures show up, and there's like the big old f- kind of thing there and the flare held up in the air that was my phone wallpaper for a long time (laughs) and so i think they have upped their game in a lot of ways cinematically Mm -hmm. which i really like really good job they also have done an even better job in these three episodes of having all the characters have nuance and i got done with these three episodes i said to my wife that's what this show is about this show is about everybody has nuance Mm -hmm. nobody has you know, one motivation. Everybody is a mixed bag. All human beings are. Yeah. And shades of gray for everyone. Everybody, but in the good way, not in the shades of gray just to be dark. Mm-hmm. Shades of gray in that people are of two minds 
in a lot of situations. And you often have conflicting goods and motivations. Mm -hmm. And they're just doing a really good job of that. I enjoy that aspect of the show. And it's one of the reasons I would recommend it. I have kind of one glaring sort of issue. One major quibble. That is more about me than the show, I would guess. And that is, I just do not like Jinx at all. Mm -hmm. And she drives me up the wall. She was my favorite character in the first three as a little girl. And I really don't like this broken, sexy girl, broken in quotes, the the Harley Quinn character, Mm -hmm. which is the... I. Becoming a common archetype, right? Yes. That someone who is mentally ill, but also sexy. Like, look how easy it would be to take advantage of me. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. And which it, is really dirty. It, yeah. That makes me feel a little, like, beyond that, it is a really sensationalized look at mental illness mm-hmm. that makes it look like a cool thing to have as a character quirk yeah. rather than... If you've read any of my books and yours as well, we like to delve into psychology, mental yeah. illness, and the way that we humans interface with the world. That is that is something. And I feel like this archetype in general undermines a message of that because it is so, I don't want to say goofy, but it is really pop culture it's, it's really pop culture It's You've hit on my major complaint with the uh-huh. series is that I actually consider this uh, trope to be actively harmful. Mm-hmm. Someone who has mental illness is actually far less likely than the national yes. average to commit a violent crime. But when depicted in movies and television, they're something like 20 times more likely than a neurotypical person mm-hmm. to commit a violent crime. And it's a really harmful stereotype. You know, if she's seeing visions and has some kind of you know, schizophrenia or whatever it is in the real world, that means she's a victim. That yes. means that she is struggling with an illness. And yet in movies, it always is like, oh, well, now I'm a crazy murderer. Sexy murderer. Crazy, sexy murderer, which makes uh-huh. it worse. I actually did not consider Jinx to be a, a sex symbol in the thing. I looked at her, and maybe this is because mm-hmm. it's such a ingrained thing for me with this mental illness pet peeve of mine uh-huh she was such a broken character and i really just wanted people to help her mm-hmm. and that's not the story that the middle section is telling her sister tries her sister tries her sister is not good at it and i can't yeah. falter for that because if you haven't been trained yeah. in how to help people with severe mental illness you no know, you're not good yeah. at it and that moment with the flare on the tower was really good. Yeah. Again, the narrative storytelling has gotten very good, but this bothers me. And beyond that, like the level of death and destruction she has caused is making it hard for me to empathize with her. And, you know, I, this comes from someone who has written Zeth. So I understand pot mm-hmm. calling uh, Kettle Black or whatever, yeah. but I'm having a hard time getting over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, so, for me, yeah. and again, maybe this is just my own hobby mm-hmm. horse, but I look at most of that as Silco's fault because mm-hmm. Silco took this damaged person and turned her into a weapon. Yeah. And she needs to be helped. But you're but, absolutely I right. Mean, even the amount of volition that takes away from her mm-hmm. is. Anyway, yeah, it is what it is. I assume they are locked into a character archetype that they built for a game. That they're kind of stuck with. Yeah. When you build a game, even when you build a large cast, 
even if it's not for a game, one of the things you need to do is be like, all right, this person needs one attribute. What is this person's attribute? She's the cute girl who uses a giant minigun and smiles maniacally, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I assume that's who she is. And it's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to pick that one because who is a tiny, you know, spindly girl with blue hair that uses a giant minigun and then has like wacky things she says? It's Harley Quinn with a minigun instead of a hammer. Yeah. Got it. And mm-hmm. that's what you need when you're making a game like they're making is lots of, you can scroll through them and yeah. be like, oh, this is a, this is a I, giant I orc know dude. Just by the, mm-hmm. the, avatar who that person yes is. i mean there's a reason why i can look at the cast of the game you like overwatch and uh-huh. i'd be like oh i know exactly what the personalities <laughs> of each of these characters are and i can probably guess their class mm-hmm. and their their play style yeah and you want to be doing that but then you go and you make a game and you're doing a lot of work to give everyone nuance but you are trapped with harley quinn and it's like yeah. what do you do in that case and mm-hmm. uh this is why i think it's more me than them, and I want to see the last three episodes, but that's kind of where I am on it. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. I will uh, spoil nothing. Yes. But, very good. I am going to interrupt one more time before we get to No Way Home, and I'm just going to let the viewers know that I wanted to talk about Moon Knight, Uh, but he hasn't seen that yet. I haven't seen it. (laughs) Uh, I I will say this. Mm -hmm. No spoilers, but the first episode of Moon Knight, I'm not going to say that it's the best thing in the MCU ever, Mm -hmm. but I will say that it is the one that most... Clearly and directly spoke to me. It is directly about horror and mental illness, which Mm. is my wheelhouse and what I've built my career on. Mm -hmm. And it felt so much like, oh, yeah, this was made for me. I'm loving every bit of this. And so I'm excited at some point. We'll probably wait till we've both seen the whole thing if you intend to watch it. I will Um, watch it on that recommendation. I will. We can come back a Mm -hmm. few months from now and just talk about the series as a whole. But But for now, let's talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man. So... What did you think of Spider-Man No Way Home? Spider-Man No Way Home. I, the first few hours, really loved it. Uh-huh. But by hour five or six, it was really starting to drag. Hour five or six. This movie felt so felt much so longer long. than it really was for me. Okay. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. It had incredible moments that brought me wonderful joy. Mm-hmm. But it felt... When I was done with the movie, I thought, wow, how did they get away with a four-hour movie? And it was it's only two and a half hours. It just feels so long to me because I have some problems with how they've paced some of it. Okay. I didn't feel ever bored. Mm-hmm. But when you say that, I'm like, wow, that movie felt long. So I'm on board with your criticism of it, even <laughs> though it wasn't a problem for me. Okay. So I liked the movie quite a bit. I was bothered by a few things, and it's like the quintessential, this is why plot holes are not as big a problem as we sometimes think (laughs) they are in nerd culture, Uh even though we're likely going to talk about them, because the emotional connection to the characters overcomes plot holes. Yes. Right? Absolutely. I mean, we call this refrigerator logic. Yes. If it's a problem you don't notice until after the fact when you're getting a snack, Mm -hmm. then arguably it wasn't really a problem. Right. Or at least it's not as big a problem as you make it out to be. Yeah. The mm-hmm. movie might be better with it, but some of the plot holes that you could close, you could waste time closing a plot hole and ruin your pacing of your movie. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll get into those afterwards, after I watched the movie. Like my first comment was, William Defoe is a national treasure that was amazing. And Alfred Molina is only a hair step behind. Those two just made the movie for me. 
I actually liked Molina so much more than Defoe in this. I Defoe oh. f- really felt like just playing a a caricature of himself. I, don't I didn't know. get any nuance out of his out of the Goblin. The moment where they cut and you think that the Goblin is there getting Aunt May at the beginning, mm-hmm. and you cut there and he runs in, and it is this man who is like trying yeah. so hard to understand what's happened to him and is mm-hmm. working with it. Like that moment saved it. That I moment that. turned it into, I am now sympathetic toward this character. And I also kind of, I'm a little more okay. Like in the Spider-Man movies, what they're doing is they're often having a magical reason for someone to have a personality shift. And they're fixing it with Mm -hmm. magical solutions. And I'm actually okay with that. You would think of our discussion of (laughs) mental illness. I'm like, it's okay to create a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. That's what fantasy is about, right? And Mm -hmm. saying, what if you were two people? It's a metaphor for mental illness. It doesn't have to be- Doesn't have to be actual DID. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the kind of the difference between this and Jinx is, for me at least, and- Jinx, I may be overemphasizing, still a great show, mm-hmm. but is they're dealing with real trauma, creating a real, real life mental illness, and then are treating it very differently. Yeah. Whereas Green Goblin's like, I ingested green goo. Yeah. It made me split into a different person magically. And mm-hmm. this other person does things that I don't agree yeah. with. Let's take that premise and deal with what that does to a person. I find that really interesting. That's basically the same thing with all of the Spider-Man villains. Mm-hmm. We should pause because I know we're going to get into it. We, yeah. we should say, obviously, we're going to talk about spoilers in yes. this conversation. We haven't yet, I think, said anything that wasn't in the trailers. Yes. But, but yeah. Um, and so watching him do the change. He is very good at yeah. going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you could always tell mm-hmm. which one was dominant obviously there were portions where the goblin was in charge and making yes. you think yes. that it was what's his mm-hmm. name norman yes but yeah he did that really really well mm-hmm. i didn't really buy him as the ultimate villain that they wanted him to be that's part um, of he didn't have yeah. a lot of emotional weight i mean he, he killed may and still didn't have a lot of emotional i would weight. agree and that is that is a problem with the movie i'll, I'll yeah. agree with you 100 percent. but at the same time I loved that. I loved both of their performances. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the two other Spider-Men. I liked yeah. that it wasn't Into the Spider-Verse, which I still is my favorite Spider-Man movie, even oh, yeah. after this. Mm-hmm. I love that they instead say, well, these two had arcs in their respective stories. And mm-hmm. we're going to close those arcs a little bit. I saw a great meme that was like Tobey Maguire and panel one saying, man, my third movie was kind of bad. And then it was Andrew Garfield in the second panel saying, I didn't get a third movie. And then the third one, it's the new Spider-Man. He's like, do you guys want to be in my third movie? (laughs) And it kind of felt like that. Like, I like that they Mm -hmm. gave a mini closing arc to Andrew Garfield Mm -hmm. and a larger closing arc to Tobey Maguire and integrated them into the story. And actually, rather than just being cameos, it was about them to a lesser extent than, you know. Yeah. But- they did a really good job with that. They Hats did. off. I really loved all the stuff with the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching them work together in, you know, in the little laboratory at first and yeah. then on site. Andrew Garfield is one of my very favorite actors right now anyway. Man, he um, was so good in this. I, yeah. I've, I've seen both of the other ones and I was, I didn't really like them. 
either of the two. His, the, the, yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man movies were not great, but he was always great in them. And when he was in this playing off the other ones, I'm like, give me more of this. Yeah. Like, I want absolutely. as much Andrew Garfield in the MCU as well, I can get. And, and he's been online like, where were you guys 10 years ago? Why weren't you supporting my movies back when they were canceling them? Because and the movies were not the as movies good. movies were not as good as you were in them. Yes. And he brought all of that to this. Like the moment where they're in the scaffolding and they're like, okay, I'm Peter 1, you're Peter 2. And he's the way he says, okay, I'm fine, I'm Peter 3. Uh-huh. That was so perfect. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Yeah. He was delightful. Yeah. And so those were those were my pluses. I really liked the moment where Toby stops. I, I'm trying to say his, remember his name. The new Spider-Man kid. I say uh, Tom kid, Holland. he's like 28. Tom yeah. Holland, when uh, he stops him from killing Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. It was a good moment. It was well done. It was acted with with emotion and no words. And yeah. like these are the things I liked about the movie. I'm going to add to that. I really like Zendaya. Yeah, she's good in everything. See, I've never seen her in anything other than the Spider-Man oh, movies. Did you see the, um, the um, Greatest Showman? Oh, that she is in that one, yeah. huh? And she's pretty good. I in did it. not like Greatest Showman, right? And I didn't really think anyone was great in it. And she was what the acrobat or something. Yes. Did, here, she she didn't even have a part. She didn't have a character. She was just there. We should talk Greatest Showman sometime because we should. I think the performances and the music are great, and that the story is trash. The story is terrible. The yes. historicity is yes, terrible, uh, unforgivable. I really like. Yeah. Some of the songs, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll do a Greatest we'll do a Showman, Showman episode, episode at some point. But I have heard so much about her. I you know she's a big deal. Oh, that's, she was in Dune, but she's in like she's 10 not minutes in much of, of Dune. Dune. Come yes. on. Yeah. But she's got a TV show going that I've never yeah. seen. She was a Disney star. I've never seen any of okay. that. The only thing I know her from is this. And I loved Far From Home. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite of the Marvel Spider-Man movies. Uh-huh. And she's wonderful in that. And she was wonderful in this. So I, I I am sad that giving her as much mm-hmm. screen time, making her into another sidekick, mm-hmm. sidelined Ned, and he didn't have much to do in this, and I'm sad about that, but she was great. I mean, their interactions, all three of them, was great. And mm-hmm. I liked just how this is the MCU writers. I think this is an intentional thing on their part. Though they're saying, let's involve the side characters more mm-hmm. and give them more volition. And you watch, I feel, over time, kind of culminating in Shang-Chi, where, you know, Aquafina is as much a character as yeah, Shang-Chi is. Yeah, she was a is. co-lead in that yes. one. And I like that. It gives just more to do, more mm-hmm. story, more characters. Yeah. And this kind of did that a bit. So, yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, Shall we talk about what we didn't like? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Go. Well, really for me, it all came down to the pacing. And I'm not even sure. I haven't taken the time to like parse this through and say, if I were to redo it, what would I cut or what would I change? But it felt like there were, you know, five or six acts when we are accustomed to three. Not that there was too much story, Mm -hmm. but that the way the story was compartmentalized felt like there were several obvious act breaks, which kind of tricked me into thinking we're closer to the end than we are. Mm. And so that, again, like you said with Jinx, that might be a me thing rather than an everybody else thing. But yeah, there were parts where it really was just like, why? You know, by the time that the two extra Spider-Men show up, Mm -hmm. we've already had three full acts of story. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I just I was like, when? What is going on? How much more of this is there? So I'll start with some smaller things and then kind of work up to my larger thing. Okay. Smaller thing, I feel like Alfred Molina returning after they have saved him was underplayed and could have been more triumphant. Definitely. Um, like the Hard whole agree. arc is we should help these people rather than just throwing them in prison. It's mm-hmm. a good kind of conceptually moral message that we as yeah. a society it has real world applications. Mm-hmm. Let's try and help these people. And then when he returns, it was just like it was kind of glossed over. And well, it was glossed over and yeah. it was also played for a mini fake out. Yes. Which yeah. you've already redeemed this guy. Yeah. We don't have to see we don't need him a mini fake redeemed out. again. That's the thing that really, like, your message of your movie is that these people are worth saving. Mm-hmm. He needs to show up like Gandalf did at the end of Two Towers <laughs> and yeah. just be there on the good guys team. Mm-hmm. And Which they mm-hmm. almost did. Yes. They just spent yeah. 15 extra seconds faking yep. us out to make him mm-hmm. make it. And he didn't even really gain anything by tricking them that nope. way. And he didn't really even accomplish that much to help them. Yeah. And so I wanted that moment to be better. Slightly larger, but still a smaller thing. Doctor Strange is out of character in every movie he's not the lead in. Right? <laughs> yes. And it kind of bothers me how much. And that's, that's the case a little bit with their cameo things. But Doctor Strange's personality changes wildly based on how much of a character he is in a movie. Well, see, that part... Mm-hmm works for me because I always see it as this is the laid back attitude he projects to other people. Uh huh. And so he is different when we're in his POV. I don't know if that's consistent enough to I be mean, a good explanation. That's a decent explanation, but it doesn't yeah. explain why. Why he's willing to break reality. Willing to break reality. And while he's not prepared for a teenager asking him a few questions. Yeah. He defeated Dormammu through sheer force of will. He lived yeah, through patience a hundred thousand times. And he has a kid saying, Oh, can you make it so that my mom okay? He just goes in to cast the spell, doesn't ask for parameters ahead of time, doesn't think through this. He's mm-hmm. so out of character. Yeah. In that moment that I'm like, Doctor Strange should be able to deal with a teenager asking questions. Mm-hmm. I have to deal with that every day, and <laughs> yeah. I am not a superhero, not super smart, not, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't saved the world even a single time, yeah. and he's done it multiple times. Well, and there's something to be said for, you know, he's not a dad, he's not accustomed to teenagers, yeah. but like mm-hmm. you said, most of his faults were not inability to handle yes. kid. It was... I went into this with a bad plan that I didn't think through and right. prepared nothing. Like this movie, I, I understand that it's a good joke that he can't handle a teenager. Mm-hmm. This movie, for me as a guy who loves Doctor Strange, I would have loved it a lot more if something he didn't have control over caused the spell to go haywire. The multiverse is now breaking because of things that Loki did. The spell doesn't work the same way anymore because the multiverse exists now. Holy crap, I, Doctor Strange, have to figure out what's going wrong. I'll Mm -hmm. have my own movie, but for right now, things are crazy, and I need to lock this down. And I got discombobulated because Tom Holland asked me three different times a question. (laughs) Just feels— And he kept asking for things. I think that Mm -hmm. that solution is— Mm-hmm. Is also what I would have done. Yeah. You know, there's a moment in the final episode of mm-hmm. Loki yeah. that lines up perfectly with yes. one of the final moments of WandaVision. Yep. 
where it is clearly that is the moment where the multiverse breaks. Yes. And if they had taken the time to line up a moment during the spell yes. with that, then perfect. You, you know, show some of the mm-hmm. red funky Wanda magic and maybe uh, throw in Loki yeah. or, or something so that we know as an audience that just happened. During your spell, the multiverse broke and that's what caused all this. That would have solved the major problem, which is not even you can't handle a kid. It's mm-hmm. why did you do this in the first place if it was so dumb and dangerous? Yes, exactly. If it wasn't dumb and dangerous when he started and mm-hmm. became dumb and dangerous halfway through, yeah, you've just solved 17 problems with your story. Well, and also I think that Tom Holland isn't then responsible for potentially the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And this, by being dumb... And asking questions when the wizard breaking reality told you to stop. Yeah. Like he went a little too far. Like this all is Peter's fault in this movie. It's selfishly kind of yeah. Peter's fault. And I understand his motivations. They did a good job with that. There's nothing wrong with the way they did the motivations. I just want it to have spiraled out of control, not because he's a dumb teenager asking questions, but because things outside their control, they were playing with fire. And they didn't know that gasoline was going to get poured on it. Yeah. It's still their fault. But anyway, Doctor Strange Loki's another one that his power suite varies depending on the moment. Yeah. Doctor mm-hmm. Strange's power suite varies depending on the moment. He was able to may open a portal and drop Loki for a half hour through mm-hmm. a void. Yeah. He chooses not to do that with Tom Holland, even though he opens numerous portals in front of Tom Holland that he has to go through. Yeah. It's just saying, all right, you're trapped in a void for a half hour. Are you ready to come out now? I don't mm-hmm. know why Dr. Strange doesn't it's, do... It's very, you know, super friends yes. logic, right? Yeah. Superman could only shoot lasers out of his eyes when the writers remembered that he yes. could shoot lasers out of his eyes. So those are those well, are quibbles. And and while, while we're quibbling about the mm-hmm. use of magic, it really bothered me. And I know this was just because they gave all the good Ned stuff to Zendaya. And yes. so they needed to give something to Ned. Mm-hmm. It took years of study and redemption arc for Doctor Strange to know how to open portals. Yes. And Ned can do it accidentally. Yeah, in I like did not like that In 30 seconds of trying. I, I like Ned becoming a wizard. That's a good move. It's a good move. Gives him something. It adds to his character. But but if they had even gone, it still would have been problematic, but less so. Mm-hmm. If he's like holding, you know, the mm-hmm. Doctor Strange ring and he's like, I bet there's plenty of vids on YouTube <laughs> where, where like bystanders have filmed Doctor Strange fighting somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch all of those and try to copy what he does. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. have helped explain it a little bit more than just... Yeah. The the you dumb lucked into it. Yep, I agree with this. I mean, what the best thing would have been to do is think of this in Homecoming and start laying some groundwork so that by now, you know, he's always been interested in the occult. He's got a Doctor Strange poster in his room, but you can't yeah. do that. They decided this last minute. Well, last minute for this movie. Mm-hmm. Good quibble. I like that quibble. Yeah. All right, ready for my big one? What's your big one? My big one is that unlocking four supervillains from their magical chambers and taking them together to your house is the dumbest thing a character has ever done in the MCU. Creating Ultron was less <laughs> dumb than doing this. These are super-powered supervillains who are all mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take them, take them one at a time. Better is to go get the equipment you want Bring yeah. it to your place, work with them in their cells, cure them one at a time. I was just 
floored. And this is why it's an actual big problem. Not This isn't refrigerator mm-hmm. logic. In the movie, I'm like, surely you're not doing this. Yeah. You are not letting four supervillains out because Jamie Foxx is like, well, you know, I'll probably kill you guys all, but whatever. Like, mm-hmm. and then they just cut to the house and they're walking in. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's incredibly foolish. Yeah. They've got Doctor Strange trapped. Yes. For, you know, mm-hmm. as, as long as they need him trapped. It's not yes. like they had to change locations. I mean, just baffling to me. And it it really threw a pallor over the movie for me. It was so hard. And now, having watched it, like, you're, again, like, your character's stupid action causes Aunt May to die. Mm-hmm. Not Aunt May's empathy, which is what the actual story is. The actual yeah. story is she's empathetic enough that she's willing to take the risk. She pays the consequences. That's heroic. She's mm-hmm. not fridged. She made a decision with eyes open, tried to help people, and there were consequences. That's a heroic death. Yeah. Good job, Aunt May. But the fact that Tom Holland was so stupid as to bring them all <laughs> was... Okay, that is stupid, but it is also, to be fair, in character for Spider-Man, right? Okay. Like the two major deaths mm-hmm. in the comics. Yes. Uncle Ben yes. and Gwen Stacy... Are, are both directly yes, Spider-Man's are, fault they are. for being dumb. And so, I mean, Gwen Stacy, arguably less dumb than just, you know, whatever. But but this story yeah. is not about Tom Holland realizing that he's making stupid decisions. Right? That's not your theme. No. Right? Like, the movie does not frame letting these supervillains and take... It frames it as dangerous, but mm-hmm. a choice you should make to be empathetic to yeah. trying to help people. That's the story's message. That's that that's it was true. right to let the four violent criminals out of their mm-hmm. cages and take them to your home and help yeah. them rather than finding a system and a way that they're protected from themselves and others and saving them then. Mm-hmm. Like the message is not we should let all the violent criminals out of the prison system. The message should be our prison system is bad and doesn't work. Let's find a way to actually help these people. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It is overall a, not really a redemption arc for Uh Peter. It is Peter, you know, trying to help everybody and trying to save everybody. And that's another reason that I think the pacing is so weird in it, Uh is that is such a major, you know, inciting incident Uh that happens way after your inciting incident. So... Anyway, that's my big flaw with the movie, mm-hmm. my big beef with it. The The quibbles are not as big a deal than the movie works, but man, that one was real hard pill for me <laughs> to swallow. I mean, that was your favorite is the second one. The second one's pill of Tony Stark left him with the ability to just assassinate people and things like that. I just could not swallow. And so both mm-hmm. of them have had these giant pills. They're both still good movies. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely problems. None of them, I will say, have... The Vulture. You know, mm-hmm. Homecoming. Yes. Vulture's arguably one of the very best villains in all of the MCU. Oh, yeah. And Homecoming was a really, really solid one. I'll give Far From Home the leg up, maybe just because of Zendaya in it. I don't mm. know. But let's talk about the villains a little bit. Okay. Because, you know, one of the things that I loved about this, you know, not only did they go back and, and have a chance to, like, finish Andrew Garfield's arc mm-hmm. and, you know, let him save the girl who's falling 
mm-hmm. uh, where where he uh, accidentally killed Gwen Stacy earlier. Yep, they did the same thing with Jamie Fox. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really underserved by his movie. His movie, I agree. And this one, he had so much more personality. He got to be more interesting. We got to see his face. Yep, it just they did was, a really good job with him. I would say the one that was most underserved was Sandman because he was the best part, in my opinion, of his movie. Yeah. And I thought, and they faked us out when right at the beginning when he shows up and he protects Spider-Man, I mm-hmm. thought, oh, he's going to be really complex and interesting. <laughs> no. And he, then he has no more moments through the entire movie. Yeah, he didn't um, really have a character yeah. at all. I don't actually consider this a flaw, though, because the fact that you had to pack that many characters in and they did such a good job with the other ones. I'm like, the lizard and him just have to be there. I understand that. I accept that movie. It can't be any longer. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that this movie did is like really kind of flexing on Spider-Man 3 because it's like, oh, you had trouble Mm -hmm. doing three villains, did you? Well, check this out. We're going to do three really pretty good villain arcs with several really good hero arcs all in one movie mm-hmm. and we're not going to have any problems with it. Yeah. I also think it's interesting just from a storytelling point of view which villains they didn't use. Yeah. They had two different iterations of Harry Osborn that yep. they didn't bother bringing back. Mm-hmm. They had Topher Grace's Venom. Yep. When they didn't bother with him at all. Smart move probably. I yeah. think so. The uh, post-credit scene where they had Tom Hardy yes as Venom was really interesting, mm-hmm. and I I don't necessarily want to speculate on future connections between Sony yeah. and, and MCU movies, but the villains they chose, I thought they did a good job with, Yeah, and I was really glad. Also, we haven't mentioned the other villain, which was Jonah Jameson. Yes. Changing him from a newspaper man to like an InfoWars guy yep. was so smart. And they did a really good job with, <laughs> I mean, I loved seeing him back in the, in the role and he, yeah. he was great. He's just, he's just great. That was, that was awesome. Uh-huh. Born to play that role and did it so well and glad to see him back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you think of Aunt May becoming Uncle Ben for Tom Holland? I liked it. I yeah. didn't like it until the rooftop scene where they all talk about Uncle Ben. Uh-huh. And they say the line. Yep. Because when she said the line and mm-hmm. died, I thought, well, okay, I knew you were going to die in this movie because all the signs were there. But saying the line felt like too much fan service. It felt mm-hmm. over the top to me. And I thought that didn't land as well as I wanted it to land. But then when he's on the rooftop and they introduce him to the other two Peters mm-hmm. and that same line mm-hmm. is like a key moment for both of them. That worked really well for me. That was pure Spider-Man fan service in a way that landed 100%. What I liked about it is that as much as I love the line, it's one of the great lines from comics, Mm -hmm. in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man one, it's fine, but it doesn't really land and because Peter doesn't have power in the opening of that movie. And Uncle Ben doesn't know, right? Like Mm -hmm. Aunt May knowing you are Spider-Man, you have a responsibility to be better than everyone else is a really powerful like take. This is like the only Uncle Ben moment that I've seen where they know he's Spider-Man and can reference 
being Spider-Man is a big responsibility yeah. rather than it just being, you know, Peter, you have a responsibility to, you know, be on time to your job or something with great power comes great responsibility. I understand how you have mm-hmm. to play it in the, mm-hmm. the strip story, but since we've had that several times and now we can get this version, it was nice. It and, was. And it was, like mm-hmm. you said earlier, you know, his redemption arc was not the theme of the movie. This was. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he thought, no, I have to help all these people. I have to save yeah. them. I have a mm-hmm. responsibility. And then everything goes wrong. And May tells him the line is like, nope, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Don't give up just because I'm dying. That worked for me as well. Right. I consider a, a theme of some of my writing is that sometimes by Doing, making the difficult and good decisions, there will be consequences. And Mm -hmm. I want those consequences to not be Peter's fault because of stupidity. I want them to be his fault because he actively chose something that is dangerous. Yeah. But was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm going to put myself on the line to help you one at a time. And then I get Goblin out of the cells, and he's the one that busts everyone free. Yes. And then it all goes wrong. Or, you I know, don't know. Something like that. Who knows? Or maybe catching Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Now his power is cut off, and they all get freed. To, I don't know. Yeah. We could speculate forever, but yeah. you could do. You could actually do that. The the cells all drop. Yeah. Spider Man's like, don't attack. Listen, mm-hmm. listen to me. And then they're all free. He can't put them back in. He gets them corralled, yeah. and they're like, we can't stay here. The guy, the wizard is like, all right, I'll take you. I've got a lab. You just fixed it. Yeah. That fixes it right by he, itself. He comes back from the other dimension. He says, hey, Ned, hey, mm-hmm. MJ, don't worry. I've neutralized Doctor Strange. And they're like, uh, yeah, no doy. Look behind you. And mm-hmm. he realizes they're all there. Yep. Man. Good job, Ben. It. Oh, wait. You're not Ben. Good job. Good job, Good Dan. job, Ben. Good job, Ben. Good job, ben. 